Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets is brought to you by Built Bar, a great tasting and extremely healthy alternative to the usual protein bars you're probably used to. If you're looking for a flavor recommendation, check out the mint chocolate or the raspberry dark chocolate. I think those are probably my favorites and I think you'll enjoy them too. If you want to check them out, head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for a cheeky $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com for $10 off your first order. If you're a new listener to this podcast, be sure to follow, subscribe, like, whatever it is that you do on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we're going to be briefly looking at some of the pro sports league action that actually took place this weekend because a few of the major, I guess, North American and European sports actually got back into action. I will admit that the experience was a bit weird, but I'll get into a little bit more detail about what exactly was unusual about uh, a couple of sports leagues that went back underway. I'll also talk about the NHL's updates on how they think they want to restart the season because it sounds like from what I'm hearing that this is going to be a thing sooner rather than later and the NHL is already sketching out some playoff scenarios should the league resume in the near future. After that, I'll probably talk about a what-if potential scenario for what happens next, in in particular Winnipeg situation. Usually when you talk about what-if scenarios with sports, it's kind of like a retrospective. What would happen if they did this back in, you know, 2010 or something? This one, though, I think we're going to talk about what if the playoffs resume, where does that leave Winnipeg? Because I think the Jets are kind of in a weird spot, relatively speaking. Uh, For one thing, we don't even know if they will uh, be in the playoff picture to begin with, just because by points percentage, they were out using the regular structure. But we'll get into that in a little bit more detail later on. Before we touch any of the NHL stuff, we'll talk about the international and North American sports scenes that have resumed. NASCAR actually had a real race today, which is kind of funny because over the past several weekends, they've largely been doing virtual races on iRacing, which I believe is what IndyCar has also been doing iRacing is certainly a pretty decent alternative, especially if you're starved of motorsports, but it's not really the same thing. Personally speaking, I've gotten the chance to go to a number of races, including uh, the Grand Prix of Baltimore and the Indy 500, so I can, of course, attest to the fact that the in-person experience and the atmosphere is totally different than, uh, of course, virtual racing. One interesting thing that I will say about the virtual races is that the guys have actually done some things in iRacing that they wouldn't do in real life. I know IndyCar had a minor controversy a couple of weeks ago because I think a couple of the drivers got into some accidents, and some of them weren't really accidents, they were a little bit more intentional. A number of viewers were kind of thinking, well, you know, that's that's not really sporting and you wouldn't do that in real life. I mean, if, if you did that in real life, you'd probably get kicked out and banned from racing for a good while. But some of the guys understand that it is a, a virtual racing game, so they do things a little bit differently than they might in real life, which, you know, it, it is what it is, but... If you want to give viewers the best experience, especially since this is being broadcast all across North America and potentially around the world, it might make the experience a little bit more palatable if they all took it a little more seriously, and I I totally get why they wouldn't. I think most people are, are sympathetic to that, but, you know, at the end of the day, you do have to put on a good show, and wrecking each other is probably not what people want to see. That said, the iRacing stuff is probably for at least NASCAR over with, although I have heard rumors that because of the success of the IndyCar thing, I think that uh, iRacing Esports might become a more regular broadcast member, especially during the off-seasons. 
it just gives people something to watch and something to do, especially with a lack of social media engagement and maybe less fan engagement. You know, if you have iRacing in the offseason, you can also bring in some maybe like highly skilled esports players to, to try and push the actual drivers and all of that usual fun stuff. As big as NASCAR is, though, I think the one that everyone was waiting for and really excited for was the return of Bundesliga in Germany, which was, for everyone, a pretty big deal, because Bundesliga is like the first major sports league outside of auto racing to come back. I'm not exactly sure what the viewership numbers were looking like for Bundesliga, but I'm fairly certain that they were going to be nuts because, I mean, German football is a big deal, and in Europe, of course, teams like Bayern and Borussia Dortmund and uh, Bayer Leverkusen, uh, RB Leipzig... All these teams are, are very highly regarded, and they have some major international support. Because, though, the Premier League and La Liga, as well as Ligue are all kind of suspended or just completely cancelled, I, I think Bundesliga is going to see huge viewership numbers. I mean, my Twitter timeline was already a, ablaze with, you know, who, which Bundesliga team do I support? Why should I choose this team? And here's my, my new temporary affiliation. Which, by the way, if you're looking for a black and yellow footy team, I have to recommend Borussia Dortmund. I think that they're a fantastic club. They're a ton of fun. And actually, they, they share a lot of commonalities with the Winnipeg Jets. I think that they both come from blue-collar cities um, with proud working histories and kind of a cool subculture undercurrent. But both cities are fairly small. If you think that Winnipeg is small, Dortmund is like basically a, a very tiny island. It's just a small industrial town in like the northern part of Germany, so it's a little bit I wouldn't say isolated, but it's definitely on the smaller side, and it has a very small population. It's clear that Borussia Dortmund are like the major uh, thing in the city, and this team really does care about Dortmund, its people, and uh, really promotes a lot of good diversification and all sorts of really inclusive policies and things. Their match was actually the one that I would imagine has to be the most watched of all of them, just because it was the Revere Derby between uh, Dortmund and their hated rivals Schalke and Schalke are from Gersenkirchen, but uh, I, I think it was weird because it's in Dortmund, and you know, whenever the Revere Derby comes to Borussia Dortmund Stadium at the Westfalenstadion, it's always a very, you know, tumultuous and crazy atmosphere with a huge, huge standing ovation from the crowd and all sorts of crowd noise, cheers, chants, lots of action, and to see it on an empty, you know, stadium and with a very quiet pitch, that was weird. Dortmund won handily, which was great, but it just didn't feel like the same thing, you know, and I think some people will point out that if a sport needs fans in attendance to succeed, then it's probably not a great sport or team, but I think it's just different when it's a Bundesliga because of how passionate the fans are, and like Dortmund is known for the yellow wall, which is their, you know, 25,000 standing strong in their supporter section. Not having that and actually being able to hear everything on the pitch from the players yelling and communicating to each other and stuff was actually sort of a weird experience. It wasn't bad, I just didn't think it was quite the same thing. It didn't have that same energy. But it's for everyone's safety, and to be honest, I, I'm going to be selfish and just be happy that Bundesliga is back. I think that's all we could really care about. We've been without Bundesliga and real professional sports, at least from the major leagues, for about two months now. Unless you're really into Korean or Chinese football slash baseball, there's just not many alternatives available to you. But now we have Bundesliga back, and I couldn't be happier. Speaking of things I couldn't be happier about, I want to tell you a little bit about Built Bar. I mentioned them earlier at the start of the podcast, but Built Bar are actually really interesting. They have a, a new protein bar type that's somewhere between like a candy bar and a regular protein bar. The inside is soft, chewy, and tasty. 
The outside's coated in a nice dark chocolate coating with a soft, sweet interior, and there are like 16 different flavors to choose from. If you have any nut allergies or anything, Built Bar has your back with 8 nut-free flavors. They don't just taste great, though. They're also extremely healthy for you. Most of the flavors I tried were all around 110 to 120 calories with maybe 5 grams of fat at most and around 30% of your daily protein intake, which is pretty crazy. I don't really find many protein bars that are both tasty and healthy at such a a really nice balance of calories, uh, carbs, fats, and protein. If you're interested in checking them out, be sure to head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. Moving back to the hockey world, we're kind of in a strange spot because the NHL is still trying to figure out what exactly it wants to do. The one plan that's on the table right now involves at least a playoff scenario, and that playoff scenario might involve 24 teams. For the record, I'm very confused by a 24-team picture because, I mean, I'd assume you get two teams from each conference, right? So it's basically like two extra wild cards, but I don't really like that. I mean, I feel like if you're going to do a playoff picture at all, just go with the regular format. But they might be doing this because some teams may feel that they didn't really get a great chance to uh, at least finish out their season and work their way into a wild card spot. Winnipeg is kind of one of these teams because I think the Jets by points percentage would have been out even though they're technically in a playoff spot right now. So if they're talking about a 24-team playoff picture, I'm a little, I guess, on the edge about things because I think in this scenario, it's going to get complicated very quickly. I mean, you're going to have to finish the regular season for one thing, but let's just assume that the NHL only plays a certain number of regular season games. There weren't many left to begin with, but maybe they just uh, drop it down to like two or three or something. Or maybe they do away with it. I'm not entirely sure what plan the NHL is is thinking, but I do know that they do want to resume the regular season at least some point in the near future. And that just kind of makes me wonder why a 2014 playoff structure is actually necessary. The only reason I would really understand that is if they're actually just chopping off the remainder of the regular season and using the playoffs to fill the void. I'm not a huge fan of that just because I feel like, you know, you're, you're complicating the playoff picture. The playoffs are already you know, hell and forever for a couple of weeks, if not a couple of months, before you finally get to the cup round. And does it really change anything as far as the standings and, and I guess, playoff picture is concerned? I just feel like it complicates things needlessly, and it's going to punish the teams that were doing really well right before the break ended. The more teams you add into the whole pot of, of playoff contenders, the murkier it gets for those really strong teams that always need a good amount of fortune to win the cup. Hilariously, a team like the Jets actually stands to benefit the most because they would, I think, be in the playoff picture if that, that format ended up being kept. I just, I, I think, I think the NHL is kind of rushing things a little bit. You know, all of these states and stuff are reopening, and already we're seeing spikes in reported cases of COVID. A lot of it is not because, you know, the states are doing anything in particular incorrectly with their their procedures and standards, but I think it's just people aren't following the procedures that were already in place. They weren't wearing masks, they weren't doing proper hygiene or anything, and so when the states are reopening, the people are just carrying on as they were before. To me, this is going to put undue risk upon the players and staff. Now, I, I know that they're going to try and play it all in, I think, a couple of locations, if not one central location or, or something akin to that. But, you know, whatever plan they choose, there's going to be lots of entry points for COVID to infiltrate locker rooms and stuff. You know, Bundesliga, right before it relaunched, had a bit of a minor, minor scandal uh, because one of their players from, I think it was Hertha or Hoffenheim, 
um, ended up posting like a, a social media video and it was like just walking around. No one was wearing masks in the locker room. They were all not really practicing social distancing. You know, it's just one of those situations where if that's happening in Bundesliga and they're already back, what's going to happen in the NHL? Every season or every other season, we always seem to have like a mumps outbreak, right? So I just, I think if, if COVID-19 is even more infectious and very capable of spreading through bodily fluids, surfaces, I mean, any number of entry points, I just feel like the NHL is not really well equipped to to prevent the spread of it further, and all those guys are going to be hanging around, probably not thinking about safety standards. And then you want to tack on additional teams into the playoff picture instead of just sending the existing teams that lose home? I, I don't know about all that, man. I just feel like there's so much more complication here than there needs to be. I just feel like at some point the league needs to kind of figure out, you know, are they even going to have a, a remainder of the regular season? Do they really need playoffs? By the time the league restarts, we might be getting into early fall, and that's usually when the next season begins, and they haven't even talked about what they want to do with the next season yet. I, th I think a strange thing that people don't think about with this is that if these timelines get condensed, then the usual preparation and rest that your body gets, especially during a couple of months of the off season, where you kind of reduce your training schedules and stuff, that's going to be really hard on the players. And I don't know if they're all going to be in peak conditioning. I mean, you're going to force them to essentially shorten and condense their, their regular season and playoff schedules and the time that they have off in between, which could be difficult on families too. All of these vacations and stuff that they plan for the space between seasons, they're going to have to cancel those. I just feel like it's a lot to ask all of these guys to restart when there's going to be a ton of games left if everything holds true, especially by adding more teams to the playoff picture. I feel like the NHL is trying to do too much here, and I'm just I'm not really sold on the whole uh, thing that they're doing, and I don't even know what their safety standards are. You know, I think the MLB has been talking about it, and for the most part, the MLB seems to know what to be doing, but... Are the players and staff actually going to follow those procedures? And how are they even going to be enforced? And I think these are questions that are going to be true of any sports league that relaunches. The NHL is going to have its own issues to contend with, and I feel like, I don't know, I just don't trust this league enough to actually get this right. And I think that the board of ownership and the team owners are all pushing for this stuff, and, and maybe it's not really the right time to do that yet. I think we need to wait a couple months and see where everything stands and whether or not things are actually safe. And, you know, if we have a sudden outbreak again of another round of COVID, uh, maybe it's best that we just cancel the rest of the NHL season. If the NHL does resume in a couple of months or even a couple of weeks, which I think it's more like a, a month at least away, I did indicate that the Jets probably stand to benefit a lot more than most teams. Now, I think the Jets are were kind of in a precarious position before the, uh, I guess, COVID quarantine break because the Jets had a number of injuries that were longer term, and to be honest, while they actually were playing better hockey, I think that they were a little bit on the fringes of success and failure. One push either way could have sent them in either direction, and I feel like any sort of injury to their back line or to Hellebuck or any of that would have been absolutely d disastrous. I mean, the defense is already pretty ragged as it is, and Hellebuck, as good as he can be and as he's been this entire season, you really don't know how long it's going to last. The biggest thing, though, is if, if Little is actually slightly healthier, I mean, he was kind of doing some practice skates and whatnot before the quarantine break occurred, but if he's able to come back and play, the Jets would have a major boost in offensive talent up front. I wouldn't say that Little moves the needle tremendously much, but I, I think that he offers enough of an offensive presence that he's able to push guys like Cop or Lowry 
and associated maybe middle six to bottom six players back into their preferred spots. Now, Cop, of course, I have argued could be considered like a fringe second-line center. But the Jets are probably looking for a bit more scoring punch here, and that's something that Little could help with. Or, if Little were to move back into the bottom six, he could certainly be of service there and be a finisher for, like, an Andrew Kopp on his wing or something. I also think that the Jets would have a little bit of an uphill struggle because if they are one of the teams that's considered, like, one of the extra of the 24 slots, you know, I don't know if that means that they would have a really tough first-round opponent, or if they have to face off against another wild-card-type opponent. That is okay, though, because, I mean, the Jets have had a lot of time off to rest and recuperate, and that maybe puts them in slightly more favorable straits. I know before the, the break occurred, Winnipeg was definitely a little bit uh, a little bit of a, uh, well, I, I would say unknown, but I don't know if, I mean, I think most people know that this defense is pretty pretty bad. I think that they also know that the offensive struggles are still part of, partly an issue. I know that Winnipeg was also moving more towards, like, if you look at Sean Tierney's charts, he always classifies teams as, you know, dull, uh, fun, really good, or just straight bad. And Winnipeg used to be in the bad quadrant because they surrendered a lot of scoring chances against in high volume, and they were all very high danger without actually generating anything else. Now, though, the Jets have started to move towards more fun hockey where they exchange a lot of chances for and against, which I think is pretty fair. I think if you're going to be Winnipeg with basically three AHL defensemen in your lineup, that's the way to go. You know, don't worry about trying to defend and button down as much because at the end of the day, your goaltender is going to have to be the best defender. Bringing in DeMello, though, especially as a trade deadline acquisition on the cheap, I think that that was a very smart, savvy move that has already paid off. DeMello is very steady. He's very safe. He's a guy that you can rely on for most situations, and he knows what he's doing. He's not going to make a, a really bad read or anything for the most part. I do wonder, though, if the Jets kind of look at bringing up somebody like Gavanki or Kovacevic. I'm not sure what their contract status is, but I think that Winnipeg's defense definitely needs like a playoff injection right before. Pending where the Jets are, are in the, uh, the playoff picture going forward, it'd be nice to see if, say, they're safely in within reason that they give their prospect defenseman a little bit more of a look and see if any of them can be useful right before the postseason. I think that the Jets are kind of in a position where they have the luxury of trying out some stuff because not making the playoffs is actually not the end of the world in my opinion. I think that the Jets just kind of have to run the tables and see what happens, but I don't think that they should constantly focus on, you know, forcing it and making it and all of that stuff. I think that the Jets need to do things within reason, and if they make the playoffs, awesome, it's just kind of gravy. But if they don't, it is what it is. I kind of wrote most of the season off anyways because I felt like the Jets just weren't competitive enough and this defense is definitely ailing without Bufflin, Truba, yada yada yada. What will be interesting to see though is if Josh Morrissey is in better shape and better form because before then he was just, you know, at times pretty atrocious and it's very uncharacteristic of him to be this bad. I feel like something was up with him and that he's been struggling with an injury for a couple of months now but maybe some time off is just what he needed to, to heal and get back into shape. You know, maybe he's more of like a second pairing defenseman, but I, I just, I'm a little suspicious because I feel like we've seen much better from him on very basic plays, and he struggled with a lot of those plays before the break. So, you know, if he comes back at full strength and he looks more like maybe a top four or even top pairing guy, and that'd be a massive boost because Morrissey is, is at his prime and at his best, he's one of the best left-handed D and one of the smartest D in the league. Without him being as good as he is at his best, the Jets' blue line is basically held together by, you know, cardboard and, and tape. I think he has another gear to show us, but I just don't know what that gear is going to look like. We may know in a few weeks if the NHL relaunches. I, again, I'm not 
really looking forward to it coming back. I, I think that I have a lot of concerns about it, but, you know, all the same, if the NHL does resume, you'll be able to tune in for, you know, as many recaps as there are available, and I'll report everything that happens to you. Hopefully, you know, the Jets actually do some fun stuff and really put on a good show, but I'm, I'm not going to expect too much. They've had a lot of time off, and I think that with everything going on on the world, sports is kind of the last thing that anybody needs to be worrying about. To me, it's just more like a nice distraction. So with all that said, thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys have uh, enjoyed the show. Before you log off, go check out our Locked On NHL National podcast with Sarah Avampato. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.